Good morning. Great to be with you to start a new year, January 1st. And thinking about um, New Year's message, I imagine the Lord saying, my people need exhortation from my word, but not now. They need comfort. And um, I have in my uh, copious notes or not, an email that I received this past week. I'm usually not this organized. Um, What prompted the need for a message uh, for comfort was your email on Thursday, Don. It was entitled, Special Prayer Request for the Health of Believers. And not all of you received it, so I'm going to review this, um, this email. And Don just listed some of the prayer requests for the saints. Peggy, uh, she had a heart attack on fr- uh, Friday a week ago. Doctors have inserted stents in her arteries to give her, um, to give her uh, relief from blockages. And I don't know if she's been released from the hospital. She's home now. Great. Okay. Please continue to pray for health, comfort, and a sense of the Lord's presence and protection. Joanna has had, uh, as far as I know, four surgeries in the last two months and uh, has gone through uh, life, uh, what do you call it, Uh, threatening uh, conditions, and uh, she's at home and uh, uh, in her apartment, pray for improvement in strength, appetite, and mobility. Um, Christina was um, returning with her family from vacation two Saturdays ago and was in a, a, a bad car wreck. And um, she was injured, her back was injured, but um, then uh, her dad uh, had um, fractures in his spine and uh, associated problems. And so I think he's been through two surgeries since, uh, since Saturday. But he's in ICU and will remain there for the next week or so. Um, you didn't put on there, Don, that you're anticipating foot surgery. Uh, um, so this email just uh, kind of prompted, you know, we need a message of comfort. We need to, to fix our eyes on Jesus um, in 2023. In fact, there are many afflictions which uh, saints in our assembly suffer or have recently suffered. And I just want to go through and list some of the... Um, Some of these afflictions, depression, arthritis and aches and pains of old age, forgetfulness, loneliness, hearing loss, dizziness or vertigo, heartbeat irregularity, financial strain, family strife, prostate cancer, breast cancer, liver cancer, disability due to stroke, loss of a loved one, brain tumor, loved ones away from the Lord. I hope I'm not scaring the visitors away from our assembly. But um, if you don't recognize any of these afflictions uh, as your own, you fill in the blank because uh, undoubtedly you have afflictions too. So this morning, I'd like to look at how we deal with trials in the new year. 
okay? 2023, how are we gonna deal with trials? Now, young people, distribute your handouts, please. I've got a handout for you. Ben, if you'd offer pens and pencils to folks. Um, please uh, fill in the handout as you go. Oh, uh, one more. Elizabeth um, texted, she said, um, Elizabeth is with her extended family today. Jean is ill, she's got a bad cold or possibly COVID. Um, she's not tested herself, but has a lot of COVID symptoms, so please pray, pray for Jean. So add COVID to our list of uh, afflictions. Thank you so much for handing out Everybody have one that wants one? Oh, Penn or Debbie? We can prepare to respond properly to trials in 2023 by answering several questions. First, why me? Must I suffer trials? Second, who is the Lord to, offer, to permit such suffering by his saints, by his followers? Third, what benefit is there to trials? And fourth, how may I best apply what I learned from Scripture today? And we'll have a, an assignment um, later on. First question is, why me? Why must, I ex what's, why must I suffer hardship? And we find in, uh, in life as well as in Scripture that trials are as much a part of our existence as the blessings and the benefits are. Affliction is common to all. Peter wrote the, um, the believers uh, receiving his letter. He said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's not strange for you to, to have, uh, have hardships, to suffer. Uh, on the contrary, it's, it's common. It's, it's a part of uh, our existence. Solomon had kind of a, a, a limited perspective in Ecclesiastes, but he said... The wise, man's, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceived the same event happens to them all. So we, um, we look around at the um, superstars. We look around at our uh, beloved uh, Christian workers and, and the, um, the, um, the nasty uh, rulers of the world, you know, we're all suffering kind of the same, the same things. We all have this, um, uh, this in common. There was a, a story told of a um, woman who lost her son, and so she went to the village wise man for help. The wise man said, well, I, I can help you, but I need um, mustard seed. And not just any mustard seed, but a mustard seed from a household that has known no suffering, no heartache. Oh, okay. So the woman eagerly went about her village, and as she went from door to door, she found that every household 
that she visited had suffered in some way. They'd had some breakdown, some heartache in their family, some loss. And so she went back to the wise men and she said, she didn't have any mustard seed, but she said, now I understand. I've been so selfish. I've been looking at myself as if I were unique in my suffering, and everyone I've talked with has suffered in some way. And the wise man said, you've learned very well. You've learned your lesson. Now that you, uh, you recognize that, go and comfort others, and you will find that the pain and uh, heartache of your own will, uh, will lessen. Okay? This... Um, these trials are, are a part of our lives. Why me? Because sorrow is a part of, uh, of our existence. Well, the second question is, who is the Lord to offer, to allow such suffering among his followers? And um, where the first blanks on your sheet, you might have answered um, to recognize the trials Recognize the trials is, is uh, part of our lives. The second, we'll say, is um, realize the character of him who allows the trials. Realize his character. The Lord God is almighty. The Lord God is sovereign. He is supreme. Jehovah rules without apology and without consulting you or me. Nothing we offer this morning is intended to diminish that or detract from that. He rules in the kingdom of men, and no one can ask him, what are you doing? Because he is supreme. He's ruler over all. One comfort that we can draw from God's sovereignty is that no pain afflicts his follower but that which he permits. Nothing can come into his follower's life but what the supreme God permits. Illustration of that uh, is familiar to us. It's Job. God asked Satan, uh, where have you been? Satan said, oh, around, looking around. And uh, God said, have you considered my servant Job? And uh, Satan said, well, yeah, I mean, you've, you've hedged him in, you've blessed him with, uh, with so many rich blessings, but, um, but take that away from him and see, see what he does. He'll curse you to your face. And God gave uh, Satan permission. He said, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So God limits his access, uh, limits uh, the... Um, he limits Satan's access to his people, and then he limits the extent, the intensity of whatever test uh, he wants to give. So... Uh, God is sovereign in our lives. There's a hedge built around us that um, the adversary, the enemy, can't get through except when the Lord permits. 
Uh, illustration is um, offered in Peter's life too, because uh, um, Peter bragged of his devotion to the Lord. Um, we, we all kind of uh, feel that way, uh, as Peter did, but um, Jesus said, uh, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He wants, to, uh, he wants to show himself, he wants to show the world that there's nothing in you, Peter. There's no devotion, there's no, there's no love, there's, um, there's nothing in you. And so, um, God gave permission to, to Satan to, to sift Peter, but the results were quite different from what Satan had expected. Peter uh, loved Jesus, and Jesus knew that. So God is sovereign. We can, uh, we can take that and, and uh, take that through our 2023 and realize the tremendous um, peace that that, that provides. But let's also look at the fact that the Lord is sympathetic. Sympathy, the dictionary defines as a relationship between people where pain that afflicts one afflicts the other also. And the Lord Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. Hebrews 4, uh, 14 through 16 reads, Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In that um, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. The, um, the word in the original, sympathize, means simply to suffer with. If you were to translate it literally, sympathize means to tra suffer with. So we have a high priest who can suffer with his, uh, his people. The high priest is uh, one who represents his people before God before his father, and uh, we have a high priest who sympathizes. He's not impatient, he's not unfeeling, but is sympathetic with our weaknesses. He was in every way tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he has endured, he has experienced the things that you and I are going through. He's um, especially qualified, the Lord Jesus, to be our high priest because he has suffered being tempted, being tested. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 reads, In all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He has, um, he has been tested, he has been proven, and he has suffered in doing so. And that uniquely qualifies him as our high priest because uh, he has um, 
because he has, been, uh, he has suffered as we suffer. The, um, the Lord Jesus' sympathy is um, beautifully expressed in Isaiah's prophecy, quoted by Matthew. We, um, we looked at this a few years ago as we were going through our study of Matthew, and I recommend you going back and, and looking at that, uh, that teaching again. But um, Matthew 8, verse 14 reads, Now, when Jesus had come to, into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. What do you do when you have a fever? What do you want to do, go shopping or go to the park? No, you want to lie down. That's what um, his mother-in-law was doing. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The setting here is the, um, the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He was in Capernaum, and uh, he'd been ministering to, uh, to the crowds, and he entered uh, Peter's home. There lay his mother-in-law, um, sick with, uh, with a fever, and so he touched her. What a, what a beautiful thing for Jesus to do. He touched her and healed her, and uh, she raised up and was, um, was ministering to them. Then in the evening, the townspeople brought to Jesus those who were desperately afflicted. They were demon-possessed. Imagine a crowd like that outside your home. Hayward's bringing you the demon-possessed of the city. They're going to they're gonna assemble here in the evening. Jesus went out to them, and he, he, with his word, he cast out the demons, and he healed all of them, all of them. So that, uh, Isaiah, so that Matthew said that he fulfilled the scripture, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We apply Isaiah's prophecy to our Savior's work on the cross. He, uh, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You have to follow closely here for a second. Because he would bear the sins of Peter's mother-in-law, and the demon-possessed, he could look ahead to his work at Calvary where he would pay the sins of Peter's mother-in-law and the demon-possessed, and he could undo the consequences of mankind's sin in their lives, okay? So he was, um, it was his ministry of sin-bearing that, uh, that we're looking at right now, the propitiation, the payment the blood payment for our sins. For that we owe him eternal praise. But there's another aspect to this uh, prophecy, to the Lord's ministry to which this prophecy it applies. It relates to the Lord's, not just his sin bearing on the cross, but also the compassion that he had for the afflicted. And by that, we'll just say his sympathy, the sympathy that Jesus had. What do we mean by that? Well, consider that during his earthly ministry as now, 
the Lord Jesus is able to look in the heart. He's able to see uh, what's in your heart and mine and everyone's as if uh, even better than a spiritual MRI, he's able to get in there and see what are your motives, what are your uh, fears, what are your failures, and uh, he's able to, uh, to see with total clarity and comprehension and overlook nothing. Everything is visible, everything is open to his view. Well, he's able to see, in a crowd, he's able to see uh, all of the hearts. He's able to see all of the suffering, all the failures, all the misery, all the wretchedness of the people around him. Into this mass of humanity, Jesus descended. And now as he ministers, as, he, um, as he's on the Sea of Galilee, as he's uh, ministering to a crowd, as he's healing people, his vision is filled with these needs that you and I are oblivious to because we're just looking at the externals. We're just looking at a person's appearance. We know something of uh, what's wrong uh, with a person because they tell us or they show us. But um, Jesus could see it. He could see all of it. He witnessed the whole of his creation groan under the yoke. The sickness and death made him groan in his spirit. The whole scene gives new force to Isaiah's prophecy. Uh, again, Isaiah 53, but the verse before 54, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus on the earth was a man of sorrows, our sorrows, that he made his own. As son of God, his heart alone could plumb the depths of human anguish so that in taking our infirmities, as um, Matthew quoted, Jesus sympathetically made them his very own. Only God could do that. Only a perfect heart could weigh the, 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 uh, the suffering, the anguish of the soul. C.H. McIntosh comments on Matthew 18, we may feel for and with each other, but only Jesus could make human infirmity and sickness his own. Does Jesus care when my way is dark? with a nameless dread and fear, as the daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? Oh yes, he cares, I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. In our trials, we should look to Jesus as our sympathetic high priest as we sang in our opening hymn, our great high priest is sitting at God's right hand above. For us, his hands uplifting in sympathy and love. Whilst here below in weakness, we onward speed our way. In sorrow, oft, and sickness, we sigh and groan and pray. One more aspect of the Lord's sympathy for us. Draw out our appreciation and uh, praise to him, is um, 
that what he calls us to endure, he's already experienced. Okay? Um, he's already been there. When we enter into a new trial, we see, uh, we see the dark clouds forming. We know that there's something bad going to happen. Jesus has already been there. He's already, uh, he's already borne the brunt of the trial. Might this be what the Lord was intimating when he taught about the shepherd's sheep in, in John 10? He said, uh, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He calls his sheep by name. There's... Um, there's intimacy there. There's a personalness. Jesus knows us by our names, each one. Just as the shepherd knows his sheep, Jesus hasn't changed um, since he taught John 10. He hasn't forgotten you. And then um, in uh, verse 4, he says that he goes before them. The shepherd goes before the sheep. The shepherd maps out the way uh, for the sheep. He endures adversity for the sheep. And there's nothing today that I will face that he's not already examined and experienced. We need to, um, in our trials, look not at the trials, but instead at the at the Lord Jesus as our sympathetic high priest. What benefit is there to trials? We've, um, we've looked at the commonality of trials. We've looked at um, the one who uh, exposes us, if you will, to trials. What benefits are there? Must be at least a couple. So in... Uh, Paragraph three of your notes, we receive the benefit that God offers through trials. Receive the benefit. It may sound uh, unusual, but the Lord has higher goals for his followers than ease and comfort. <laughs> if the Lord wanted heaven filled with crying babies, <clears throat> he could have... He taken us home the minute we were saved, okay? Make heaven one big giant nursery. But he didn't. <clears throat> he has a purpose in the trials. What are some of these benefits that God offers? Well, salvation. <clears throat> There's the story of the lost son in uh, Luke 15. Here he, uh, here he had everything. He had all the, the money that his heart desired, so he would go to a foreign country and spend it. He spent it all. <clears throat> there arose a severe famine in the land, and... Um, the son attached himself to a pig farmer and um, would have eaten the husks that uh, he was feeding the pigs. He was so hungry 
But um, the Lord caused the son to come to himself. The Lord orchestrated the catastrophe, the famine, and the circumstances to bring this son to himself. Other examples, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was, um, was king and suffered uh, temporary insanity. When, uh, when he came to his senses, finally, he realized that the Lord rules. He came to the Lord in faith. Read about him in Daniel 4. Manasseh, wicked king, dragged off to Babylon, humiliated, prisoner, turned to the Lord, came back, he was reinstated as, uh, as king. How many of our lives uh, did the Lord use um, adversity, crisis, to draw him to himself, to bring him to himself? Well, salvation is primary. Then there's communion. We draw close to the Lord through tribulation in ways that we would not if we were living a life of ease. <clears throat> Years ago, I was invited to a, a home, and um, the, uh, the brother was sitting in the kitchen, and he had his um, little infant on his, on his chest, and she was laying there, uh, eyes open, but totally motionless, totally still. And uh, he explained to me that she had run a fever, she was sick, and that they, you know, that's a, that's a trial in itself. I'd lean on my father's breast if I were sick with a fever. But they had given her a bath. They'd, they'd, her fever was so high that they, they bathed her. Imagine the, um, uh, the discomfort of enduring a, a bath while you have a fever, a lukewarm bath. And so this little girl was resting on her father's chest, um, just uh, uh, protected, drinking in his, uh, his love. We learn communion, closeness through our suffering. The Apostle Paul found that there was a special sharing with God through trials, and he made this his goal. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul recognized that a benefit of trials was that um, closeness. I, I can't come to God uh, in that intimacy any other way. It has to be through trials. We have to note, though, we have to qualify that in order to benefit from these trials, I have to respond to them in faith. Because it's possible to respond to trials with bitterness and anger and regret instead of seeing what God is purposing, what he's trying to do through them. A third benefit is reliance. We learn dependence on the Lord through trials. In the Song of Solomon, we read... Uh, of the Shulamite, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? 
Uh, that's the Shulamite there. Who is this she's leaning on as she comes out of the wilderness? Oh, it's her, it's her beloved. She's, uh, she's leaning on him for support. It's a beautiful description of how we, too, learn reliance on the Lord. We lean on him as we come through the wilderness. Paul wrote um, to the Corinthians, he said um, in his trial, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was boasting. He was bragging about his, um, his, the things he suffered, his infirmities, and he had a lot of them. He was uh, stoned. He was um, uh, left for dead. He was shipwrecked, uh, had sleepless nights. And uh, Paul boasted in those because the Lord was able to shine through him able to strengthen, able to show his strength through Paul's weakness. The Lord supplies us with his mercy, and he does so personally. Psalm 59.10 reads, My God of mercy shall come to meet me. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. So here I am in distress. I'm in an extremity. There's no, there's no way out. God arrives and uh, brings his mercy personally. Someone rendered this verse, my God with his loving kindness shall meet me at every corner of the way. Our way is, um, is filled with, uh, with turns and twists. God is there at every corner with mercy to strengthen me and uh, to get me home. And you know, um, when he's at the corner, he's looking down the trail, and uh, he sees me on my way. He's watching. Every corner, God is there. Okay, here's, here's your mercy for today. Here's your grace. This is what you need for today. He doesn't load me down all at once, but uh, makes his presence all the more precious. Uh, fourth uh, benefit is that Jesus gives um, the trials give a deeper appreciation for, for Jesus' suffering. Uh, I know a lot of people in today's messages have had fevers, but I have to relate um, that back in February of 91, I had a fever, and it was, um, it was a doozy. I had, a, I had the flu, <clears throat> and it was uh, uh, unrelenting fever. I, I recorded it um, for five days. My, I, I had this, this fever that wouldn't let up. It was uh, uh, causing aching and restlessness. I was so weak that um, in our house, in the morning, I would drag my blanket out to the living room and uh, lie on the couch and just pull the blanket up and, uh, and sit there. And um, I don't know what my roommates thought, my housemates at the time, but I would, I would watch through the living room window, and there were shadows on the neighbor's house, and I would watch... I'd, I'd close my eyes and rest, and then I'd, I'd open my eyes, and the shadow would have moved down, and I'd close my eyes and rest, and I'd open my eyes, and the shadow would move. I, I gauged my day 
the passing of time by these shadows as they, as they moved past. And then when the, the night fell, I'd drag my blanket back into the bedroom. And um, honestly, I, I thought I was losing my mind because um, the fever was, uh, was so intense. Through the experience of this suffering, it occurred to me that the Lord was teaching me that he had suffered, okay? I was, um, I was appreciating better that the Lord had suffered because I suffered, because I hurt. And it gave me a, a fresh uh, adoration of the Lord Jesus that there on the cross, he was suffering not from uh, fever, not from illness, but for my sin. He was there voluntarily. I was not a volunteer. He was a volunteer. And so I, I appreciate the Lord Jesus all the more because I'd been through that pain, that discomfort. There's a fifth benefit, and that is uh, maturity, Christ-likeness, purity. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have her perfect work, its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So James wrote in chapter 1. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Do we aim to be pain-free in 23, or do we strive for maturity? Trials provide uh, opportunities for us to exercise patience and to gain maturity and Christ-likeness. There's, um, there's a sixth benefit, and that is the qualification to comfort others. Imagine working with a person who'd never experienced any hardship or heartache. You sprain your ankle at work, and he, he looks over and he goes, oh, come on, get over it, shake it off. You've got another good ankle, walk on that. But um, Paul wrote uh, to the Corinthians, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in, our, in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here's, um, here's a trial that we go through. We, we, uh, we respond correctly to the trial. We recognize that uh, the Lord has permitted it and that he has uh, purposes for it. And we, um, we then are able to comfort others. I, I've been there. I, I realize what you're going through. Can't say that about childbirth, but I know pain, all right? You sisters laugh when a brother says, oh, I know just what you feel. Well, you don't, but I know the pain, all right? God trains his comforters in the school of affliction. And I thank the Lord for brothers and sisters in our assembly who have responded well to personal trials and they are able to comfort those who are afflicted. Brothers and sisters, it is a ministry 
that, uh, uh, that I appreciate. We, we do applaud you for that. Thank you so much. And then there's a last benefit, um, if you will, uh, testimony to the world. There's a peace that Jesus gives that the world is not able to give. It's not able to even imitate. He told uh, disciples in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's, um, there's a peace that draws the world's attention. It says, how can you be so calm in this uh, sea of panic? I mean, we're, we're all, uh, we're all uh, suffering. You're suffering too. How can, you, how can you endure this? How can you have peace? It was like in the dungeon's darkness with their backs bloodied that Paul and Silas sang hymns to God. And the jailer and the other prisoners were thinking, you guys, it's midnight. <laughs> You've just been beaten to your backs are raw, and, and uh, you're singing to God? So that when the opportunity came, the, the jailer ran in and fell on his knees, and he said, what must I do to be saved? This is the kind of uh, response the world doesn't understand, but they're drawn to, and they want to know, what must I do to be saved? How can I have the peace that passes understanding, the peace that the world uh, has not given to me? Well, yeah, there are benefits to trials, and we've looked at a few of them. So in, uh, in review, what is our proper response to trials? It's to worship the Lord for his sovereignty and wisdom, for his mercy, his grace, his sympathy. Um, then recognize and receive the benefits that God offers through suffering. There are benefits that we'll get no other way. And uh, then support others who are going through similar problems. We're, uh, we're equipped to do that when we've come through uh, successfully a, uh, a problem to share that comfort with others. Your assignment this week is um, on the back of your On the back of your note page, think about a trial that you have gone through recently or that you're going through today. Explore the benefits of that trial and use scripture, perhaps um, one that we have uh, talked about today. What are, what's the benefit that I'm receiving through this trial? Record your insights on paper. Commit to heart the scripture that you used in step two. Memorize it. And then comfort others with that comfort you received. The Lord Jesus equipped his new disciples with the assurance of his care for them. He said, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. 
Brother and sister, beloved in the Lord, you're of more value than many sparrows. And the Lord's not going to allow you to be tested beyond what you're able because he cares. Let's pray. We're so grateful, Lord, in a world of uncertainty and suffering and pain that um, we have your sympathy. You are with us. You care. And that you've endured what, uh, what we have, uh, what we're enduring today. You've, you've already gone before us. We, um, we thank you for the benefits. We thank you that we can mature. We can become more like you, Lord Jesus, as we, um, as we go through this lifetime. And um, Lord, we do pray that we'd be a comfort to others um, with the comfort with which you have comforted us. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen.